system. Tonight is a special screening. It's an event really in itself of a film called Yardie. We do have some special things happening as well, not just the screening. Obviously a lovely Q&A afterwards with the man himself. And tonight it is part of Massive. It's a new way to watch the most hyped British films right now before anyone else. So you guys are really, really lucky to see this film a week before it's released. And let me tell you, I've seen it twice. This will be my third time now. And it is amazing, amazing. It's just full of culture. It's full of nostalgia. It's, it's just perfect. Now, we are live to 200 cinemas right now. <sighs> um, all around the country, all watching this film together. It is uh, a time for us all to unite and enjoy it. Um, also, we're going to be talking to the man of the moment, the man himself, uh, the man behind this. I think the guy's the, the guy that we've all wanted to see here tonight, really. Um, so please, yeah, woo, yeah, keep those applause going, please. Everyone, introduce him to the stage, the director of this amazing film, Yardie, Idris Elba. What's happening, everyone? Uh, wow, it's nice to be here. Let me take my glasses off so I can see you all. Uh, big shout out to everyone across the country. If you're watching in a different cinema, big up to you guys. Uh, I'm very, very privileged and, and, and thankful to be here as a director. Um, that is, it's, a, it's a personal milestone for me, and I'm so, so happy to be able to share that for you guys. Uh, I don't want to keep you for too long, but two things to tell you. Uh, you know, we've got two beautiful musical performances and one very special video to show you later after Kojo Funds is coming on in a minute, right? But I want to tell you this real quick. Uh, at the end of our film, there's a beautiful rendition of um, Johnny Was by Bob Marley. And we found this very secret recording of Bob Marley making this song in Barcelona live. It's the only time he ever did it. And very thankfully, we got Skip Marley, his grandson, to sing the song for us at the end of the movie. And he made a very, very special video for you lot tonight. So I just wanted to share that with you because it's special, man. When you see it, you'll understand what I mean. But without further ado, right? Yeah. Please, welcome to the stage, Kojo Fonts. Yeah, 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 yeah
Bring a can of fame, cutting up on the green market thing. We're not gonna play the swing, and yeah, the way that we ain't the same. When I get a thing, can't get nobody me want get paid. It's not hard for you. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. It's that thing that I like. That's how we do it. Don't pay what anybody wants to do. It's not hard for you. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. It's that thing that I like. That's how we do it. Don't pay what anybody wants to do. It's not hard for you. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. It's that thing that I like. That's how we do it. Don't pay what anybody wants to do. It's not hard for you. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. It's that thing that I like. Something that you definitely bring is vibes. Yeah, you you like I'm me and Idris are just we wanted people to get up. There's the guy in the middle guy, yeah, I see you. You his head down, but you're you're there. Um now Golden Boy is coming out 28th September, right? Yeah, 28th, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what is what does in this moment right now, what's it like for you in terms of music? Because there's there's just so much crossover, isn't there, right now? Yeah, man, I mean Music is very passionate to me. Yeah. You know, it's a different life for me. And uh, it just brings joy out of me, you know. So I'll take it very serious. Yeah. And what would, if you had to put a genre of what kind of music you bring us right now? Because obviously we've got a film that's just about the heritage of reggae music, dancehall comes from that, you've got Bashman, then you've got Afro. But for you, where would you sort of place yourself if you had to? As in, in terms of the genre? Jo yeah. Um, I call it Afro swing, Afro you know, because it, you know, it, it merges from the African sounds and the Caribbean sounds. You know what I mean? So it's all in one. And we've had some, we've got some whoop whoops in the crowd right now. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you say when you when the noise comes from the crowd, I've got a, I've got a, so to you guys in the crowd right now, you like reggae music, you like dancehall, you like Afro swing, you like bashment. Make some noise, please. Yeah. <laughs> It's all about culture. One question though, being here on the stage today and you know having Idris Elba, I think we're here. Oh, Idris Elba inviting us down! Trust me. Have got Idris for like 10 times? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, for you, what, what's your background in terms of like where you, where you come from? Uh, I come from East London. Yeah. Yeah, he's London, I can He's just come on the stage, right? He's, he's, I can leave doing some backing vocals. <laughs> Cheerleading from the side, man. Cheerleading. That's like a little, it's a little bromance going on between you now. Yeah, we just realised that we're both from the same, same ends, you know, yeah. Canning Town. I was born in Hackney and then moved to Canning Town. Yeah, yeah. Who's from there, you know? Yeah. Just tell me about all the changes in Canning Town. Wow. <laughs> my school.
information sort of about what they should be listening out for during the film because we've got a, a wonderful artist here representing absolutely i mean you, you summed it up you know one of the things about the 80s in, in england the 80s was a massive explosion culturally politically musically um you know there was an explosion much earlier decade, you know, when the Afro-Caribbean came into England, but in the 80s it was a fusion, massive fusion, and a lot of things happened there. And for, you know, for me, you know, I, I was literally 11 in 1983 when this shit, this uh, film is set, most of in London, and that's a coming of age period for me. That's the time my senses, you know, what I mean, started to come alive, and it's where I started to, you know, first DJ, really DJ, and. I tried to capture some of that in this movie, and I hope that you guys see it. I don't want to spoil it for you, but I just, you know, understanding that this is partly some of my memory banks, you know, in this film. Uh, whether it's musically, cultural, uh, you're going to see, you're going to see some old carpet on the floor. <laughs> no, that, that's my mum's carpet. Just, just, just telling you, you know, that's, uh, that's really where it comes from. But ultimately, you know, this movie for me is a postcard. To, to that time period, you know, uh, Afro-Caribbean culture in this country has not been celebrated as much as we'd like to, and I hope that this sits in the archive footage when people say, yo, what was it like for the 80s? What was it like in the music? What was it like for Jamaican culture in the 80s? I hope people come back to Yardi and say, no, watch Yardi, watch the first 20 minutes, watch the first 20 minutes, you know what I mean? Well, they have, they have it, guys. Um, you're in for a treat, trust me, you are in for a big treat. Before we get off the stage, and it's almost time to watch Yardi, I feel like we've definitely um, raised your uh, sort of anxiety and anxious levels to watch this film. Um, before the film, we have a surprise to get you in the mood. We are about to play the brand new music video from Skip Marley. This is a moment, honestly, yeah. Um, it's called Johnny Was, and it was a cover of his late, great, the legend himself, his grandfather, Bob Marley's 1976 track. Originally recorded in Kingston, Jamaica, this is a moment right now. It's on the Yardie soundtrack, which is also available on Island Records. Shout out to Island Records. And you're seeing this video for the first time tonight. We're giving you all the exclusives. Um, so, Idris, before we get into this, are there any final words that you want to say to me? I want to say thank you so much for coming. All right, really appreciate your time today. You're seeing the movie early. Spread the word if you love it. Even if you don't love it, spread some word about the carpet. That's Idris' carpet, that's my favorite part. All right, love you so much. Respect, Kojo. Hashtag Yardi, you're Who 
can she work it out? Now she knows that the wages are sinners there. The gift of God is life. She cried. No, no, no. Johnny was a good man. Can a woman tell you? with your hosts Ace and Big T. During the whole process of Yardie, uh, I can only imagine you were out there in, in Jamaica and, and obviously it was very important to get sort of saturated by the culture. Um, talk to me about when it came to your actors, how important that was that they were represent, represent I can't even speak today. Don't worry, it's okay. Representing. Yes. I may have had a drink. <laughs> representing... Um, what the film is about? Um, I mean, I think it was really, really important to uh, the actors. Um, it was very important to us as filmmakers, my producers and I, that, like I said, to be authentic. Um, but Amel Amin, let's give it up for Amel Amin, who plays Dean. He's, uh, he's an actor that's had an incredible career. He, he kind of went to America as well. He did Kid Out Hood. 
he did the Maid Runner, he's done a plethora of different roles. And when I asked him to play this role, you know, the first thing he said, he said, I'm half Jamaican, I want to do this for my family. I really want to do this for my culture. Uh, Stevie Graham, many people don't know, but Stevie Graham's dad is mixed race and his dad is Jamaican, half Jamaican. So Stevie Graham grew up in Manchester amongst the Afro-Caribbean community. And when I told him that I'd like him to play Rico, he cried. And I'm not joking, he, weep, he wept and he said, listen man, I never, you know, one of his most famous roles is playing a racist, you know. And he never had a chance to ever sort of uh, show his cultural heritage in a movie. And by the way, he comes on this film and smashes it, you know? And, you know, <laughs> the guy... It, it, it was so important to our, our actors that, that they got this right, you know, every single one of them, to do Amara, who plays the African character, Darkus. And I said to him, he said, boy, are you sure this is such a play in an African accent? I said, yeah, man. I said, my, you're playing my dad? <laughs> my dad was that one African guy that was with all the yardy man them, you know, that, that's, that's him. And, uh, you know, but authenticity was definitely like a, a shared um, responsibility for all of us. Across it, actually, not just the actors, including the cinematography and the art direction as well. And I have to say a special shout out to Chantal Jackson, who, for me, yes. as, a, as a leading lady, yeah. <laughs> a very 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 strong black female in this film it was i think in the time and the culture that we're in right now is really important yeah. um and the connection that those two had together yeah. brilliant yeah i mean i'm so thankful that you you know highlight her as well because you know the book is a very you know male dominated story male dominated characters uh, the female characters aren't particularly strong or represented properly represented Look, you're catching it. He's caught it. He's catching it. Uh, and Chantel, uh, this is her first film, you know. She predominantly comes from a theatre background in Kingston. This is her first film. But even though she came in as a young actor, she, she highlighted to me what she loved about the script, and it was the strength of Chantel, of, of, of Yvonne. The strength of being this um, uh, beacon for Dee's character. And that was like new, like, you know... My mum, my mum loves this movie, and my mum's not like you know particularly articulate about gender appropriation or anything like that. But she just loved Yvonne. She just loved that character because she could relate, you know, uh, coming to England in the early seventies and having to do fifteen jobs while looking after a young Idris. You know what I mean? Like, so Yvonne was a very much a, a strong character for the show, and it was important because there's a lot of male. Uh, um, characters in it and so I needed um, the women, the female characters to be strong. Miss Hammond is a strong character as well, although a small character. She kills it, you know. Um, she reminds me so much of my granny. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, that, that's what I think what this film does so well is that you actually relate to these different individuals and they are standalone characters but they're very together they're very powerful. Right. Even if you don't come from a West African background or a West Indian background or even can relate to that culture, I feel like the warmth through the dialogue yeah. and the way that they portray it is, right. yeah. is perfect. You feel like the actors and the characters are in their moment. Yeah. The idea was to needle drop the audience into a time period and so that meant that the actors really had to believe what they were saying um, even though none of the actors were born in that time period, 
was a bit embarrassing. But, you know, me that was, uh, helped them through that. Uh, you just touched on the book there before, and um, I don't know if anyone has read the book, but it's very different to, I think if, if you read the book, you're expecting to maybe not have the warmth or the, uh, the you don't really like drivers, but do you basically? You don't like him. Um, but when you watch the film, you are so drawn to that character and the love that you have for, the, for him is completely different. Was it something that you wanted to do? Did you want to turn the book sort of, not on its head, but take a different aspect of it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I was torn. I was torn. And I've been very transparent. When we tested the film, it tested higher with the females than it did the men. Uh, and generally, the men felt like it wasn't Batman enough. It wasn't rude boy enough. And that broke my heart, you know. I was like, oh. I really wanted to make Goodfellas. I really wanted to make Godfather. But at the same time, I realized that I think we've all seen that film. I think we've all seen that representation of a black man on screen. And I felt like if I make a film that touches on the violence, mm. but doesn't embellish it, doesn't celebrate it in a way that makes it grotesque to watch, and actually leaves the audience thinking about the decision that Dee has to make. You know, at the end of the film, that's a controversial ending to some. They were like, really? He shot the guy? But the point is, you know, the whole lot journey was about which way will he go, as opposed to, he's going to be violent. You know, that's like basically what the book was about. You know where he's going to go. And in the film, you know, the challenge for us and my vision of the film was to make that more human. You know, you meet a young boy at 11 years old who has to deal with trauma. How does that happen? What, what happens next? And I was very sort of conscious of, you know, you know, weirdly enough, you know, we're now sitting in a climate in England where we're seeing a massive rise of sort of young knife crime and escalation. I feel like I've been here before. Do you know what I mean? Like I grew up as a young man where knife crime was a big issue. I grew up where Yardie versus Scotland Yard was a big, big thing. And now we're here again where London is seeing a lot of violence. So weird enough, the movie resonates in a few ways. And hopefully the younger audience that watch this movie might say to themselves, wow, interestingly enough, I went through a trauma or something about my past has made me angry. And I can have two choices. Do I go left or do right? I didn't consciously make that film to make a message. And I'm not sitting there saying, hey, watch Yardi because of. But when I watch it now and I sort of sit at the climate that we're in, I go, wow. I hope that a young audience can watch that. I hope that, you know, a 45-year-old man can take his 25-year-old son and say, watch this movie, man. Just watch this. This is where I come from. And what you're going through is not the first time this has been, you know, this is something that has been repetitive in this culture here, so. I think the um, exploring uh, trauma and mental health, especially in a young man in the film, is, is really, I want to say it's actually quite beautiful the way it's portrayed, um, especially, I don't know about you guys if you noticed it, my favourite part, one of my favourite parts of the film is at the end when his older brother is, is passing on into in whether it's his path or wherever it may be, and the lighting, I noticed it, I noticed it, the, the red and the, the green, the yellow in the doorway. Thank you. I noticed it, and it was just, it was kind of like, that moment really kind of touched me because, as you say, you, you spent a lot of time uh, on this film and you, Nine Nights is, a, is something that 
as a Western Indian Jamaican person that you really resonate is mourning is, is a lot. Did it was obviously that's a very sensitive subject, mourning and trauma, mental health for you and for your actors. How important was that to kind of take your time with? What what was the thought process in, into that? Um, the thought process, you know. The, the spirituality in the film is very much present, but again, I, I didn't feel the license for a book or a film called Yardi to then, you know, um, take the audience on a spiritual journey, obviously. I didn't feel the license to do that by calling my film Yardi. I could have called it The Nine Night. I could have called it that and amplified the spiritual, but, what was apparent to us is that the film, you did not care for Dee unless you understood some, some of his spiritual upbringing. You did yeah. not care. And that was like a hard process for us to really, really draw out because it's not dramatic, you know? It's, it's, it's specific, you know? As, as with religion and any type of medium, you can't ram it down anyone's throat. It's very specific, it's by choice. So what we tried to do was make it very visceral the Nine Night becomes this almost surreal uh, set of images and sound design and whatnot, so that the audience feel that, okay, when we do see Jerry Dredd's ghost, there is a reminder of the Nine Nights, and that reminder is a subtle reminder of the sort of path of spirituality, which, you know, Jerry Dredd says before he dies, you know, the wicked can't hide. So... I was very conscious of trying to keep that alive, but without, you know, again, ramming it down the audience's yeah. throat, because I don't know, I'm not one for ramming down any opinions in anything that I try and do. I think it's important that you give the audience an opportunity to take their own choice in that, you know? It's beautiful. I really love that end scene. Oh, that. So we've been asking people to get involved on Twitter. Um, some questions for you. How, in, this is from Pitch Imperfect in London. How important are narratives such as the one told in Yardi for black and Caribbean culture? So I think, you know, um, Pitch, hello. I think that the, it, the importance is, um, it, it's about, for me, it's about having um, something to look back on, you know? Um, I think that Yardi, it, what we try to make is a postcard. A, a book in the library that you can go back and reference. And the good thing about that is that if you if you if you have that reference, then you can look about, you can look and and, and, and mark it against where you are. Okay. I think you know recently in England we've seen you know the, the wind rush thing raise a lot of anger and a lot of tense and like questions about well what 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 why do you know certain Caribbeans of a certain age have to stay here if they haven't got the right paperwork and such and such and such. When you watch a film like Yardi and you look at the culture and the history and you think about that, you can go, gives me a reference point. So I think it's very important that, you know, I don't expect there to be 60 Yardi films coming from a very small British movie industry maker. I think that, you know, we will see films of, of cultural narrative, but the ones that do exist will be great landmarks just to show us as a culture where we've come from that's really really important i think in 20 years time there'll be films about the influx of the eastern european community in this country there'll be films about 
what Brexit meant to certain people. And that's great because further down the line, people can look and go, I saw that film about Brexit, you know. <laughs> and here's I'm my sur- argument. <laughs> I'm even surprised you even said the B word. Charlie from Brighton says, what's your fondest memory about making this film? Uh, hold on, I'll, I'll tell Charlie. Uh, my fondest memory was, uh, you know, um, shooting in Jamaica, where you know the two communities come to Jerry Dredd's little dance. And the irony about that is that we shot that in Rose Gardens, which was next door to, I believe, Tivoli Gardens. And in between the two of them, there was a long-running war. And we uh, were very lucky that we got to shoot over three nights. But it meant that Tivoli and Rose Gardens would live together for three nights in other words a ceasefire and it was bonkers man because you know what everybody came out you know we needed 600 extras we got 800 we got them all to dress up in old school clothes and what you're seeing there is like art imitating life life imitating art you know and we played that one tune um, carlton and the shoes love me forever you know it's a big tune and we had real speakers in that area and we played it and it was just, we just rolled the cameras and everyone was singing and dancing, people they hadn't seen for a long time because of their, you know, uh, community rivalry. You could just see them, just joy, enjoying it. I went, I'm moving, man, we're dead, I'm moving. <laughs> and I was so like, I'm so, I'm so thankful. Um, that was probably my best memory because it was, it was part of the story but it was actually a really unified moment. I feel it. I wanted to be there. I don't know about you guys, but I wanted to be there. And you just touched with, we're speaking about the, the sound system, the sound system culture. You're a man of music yourself. You know your rhythms, Idris. You know your tunes. If anyone's ever been to an Idris party, you already know. Um, so for you, how important, like, how, how did you choose the music that was being played? Because in the scene where the guys are in London in... Uh, down in the basement of the club, like, it really feels like you're playing the tunes in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we, you know, my ambition was to to play some of my my, my favorite music in a movie. Okay, that was the main ambition. Um, <laughs> selfishly, but uh, I just wanted to run some tune. But you know, what was great is that um, that particular scene. You know, we we spent time to design it. We got a very old cinema in Bethnal Green that is, uh, you know, about to be renovated and we turned the, the, the floor like this and there's no seats and we turned the sloping floor into uh, the set and we built the walls, we built the ceiling and we built a soundscape so that I could play music in there for real and, and, and put real speakers in there and they were like, you know, just, you know, we can lay the music in later. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I want real sweat off the ceilings, oh, uh, you know, um, yeah, I want that because I actually wanted to take the audience through that moment. So for D, it was quite significant. Here he is coming from Jamaica, where sound system is on every corner. He's in London. He wasn't expecting that. He walks in there, and as he goes down, the bass hits him, the vibe hits him, the girls crabbing over there. You know, he's like, "What? This is London?" And I, I, you know, for me, that's part of my source memory. For anyone that's of my age, I went to a blues dance in Dalston. Come on, put your hands up, man. Where are you? Okay. Hey, Sandra, you all right? You know that feeling though when you walk in. It's just a good feeling, you know. It's like the DJ's going. If you get a hail up from the DJ, that's big. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's a real, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I really wanted to, to make that happen. But the truth of the matter is that the music design came after the fact, you know? Um, we were editing the film. We had a long film. We had lots of um, conundrums to deal with. And we realized that the music was going to play a big part. It was going to be a heartbeat. So that's why I just started to choose the music, you know? It's like, what would I play if I was DJing now? Where would that come in the film? And that's how I sort of started to play to do it. The soundtrack is wicked, also. The soundtrack is wicked. Um, we've got another question here from Guy Jeffries. It says, Hi Idris, having worked on, with a number of great directors, who had the biggest impact and influence when making Yardi? What did you take from your time with them? Uh, there was two directors, actually. There was two. So uh, I made a film called Beasts of No Nation with um, a director. Thank you. Uh, and um, the director of that is Carrie Fukunaga, who did, um, uh, what's the HBO show? True Detective, True Detective. And Carrie, uh, he did uh, Le, Le Sonombre as well, which is a really great independent film. And he is a director that literally, he carries his own camera, he lights it, he's in discussions with direct actors in, in depth. He's like a, a real sort of renaissance director. I worked on that film before I decided to make Yardi. That was the last film I made where I was like, I'm going to make this film Yardi. I did that because I just saw one man just really championing his vision, his vision for the film. And this is a film, this is an American kid making a film about an African civil war, about young child soldiers. And it just showed me that it doesn't matter who you are, if you've got a story to tell, you've got a point of view, you can do that. So, you know, where I might have battled with the idea of being West African making a story about West Indians, I needed not to do that, and Carrie gave me that license. But in terms of what you might have sent, seen as in terms of um, visualization, I really, I really worked, I worked with um, Ridley Scott twice. And Ridley, uh, he just taught me, you know, American Gangster was one, Prometheus was the other, and Ridley taught me about the second time the audience watched the movie. Okay, so hopefully you guys see it again. But the next time you see it, hopefully you see something else. And then if you see it again, you see something else. And that was about the layering of the image. That was about the, you know, the authenticate, or, or what? <laughs> <laughs> you made up a new word, everyone needs to understand it's the authenticity. The authenticity. The authenticity. <laughs> is um, something that the audience do not overlook. They will watch the performances, of course they will, because that's the first thing you're drawn to. But the actual layering of the detailing, the, the timing of the, 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 the night, the day, the, the, just the stuff that you don't pay attention to the first time are just as important. And so watching him work on Prometheus, which is like a crazy story about, you know, in space, and then watching him make, you know, um, American Gangster, I, I sort of like, it was a masterclass. I knew that for my film, I wanted to see layering. I wanted people to be like, they thought about that. They thought about that. Did you notice that? No, yeah. I didn't. Watch it again. Yeah. I wanted that. And Ridley Scott taught me that. So there you go. You have to go and watch it again. Um, so I've got another question. This is a great question from Mary in London. For the, youth for the youth currently running around the streets, what would you want them to take away from watching Yardi? Uh, Mary, so I touched upon it earlier, um, just about, you know, just it, it's a reference point. It's a reference point uh, in terms of what has come before you as a, as a youth 
as uh, sitting now contemplating stabbing someone, contemplating getting into a row with someone right now. Not that Yardi is meant to be this, but if you just look at that film and you watch this kid's journey, you kind of go to yourself, boy, he had a choice. And he really examined his choices. He, he was drawn one way and he was drawn another way. You know, he had, he had his family, he had his, his daughter, he had love, he had spirituality, and then he had resentment and anger and bitterness. And which way did he choose, you know? Um, I, uh, you know, it's a difficult question because, you know, the film was made in isolation of this current climate, you know, five, six years ago, but the truth is, I think that, uh, I remember I was talking about the test audiences, so the men at my age thought it wasn't bad man enough, the women generally loved the movie, and the kids, the boys, around 20 to 25, loved the film. They're like the strongest audience. So for me, I feel like there's something about Dee's journey which can sort of relate, you know, to, to young men. I have a final question. What next? Because it took you this long. <laughs> <laughs> I've been supporting you for God knows how long. And you get better with age, uh, right? Uh, you, what, what? You get better with age, too. Are you saying that because I showed you that picture of me and Trevor Nelson? <laughs> Throwback picture before he looks like Montel Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is how we do it. This is how we. So, what next then? What are we? I, I mean, are you going to continue with Yardies? Uh, you got a next film that you want to kind of get your teeth? There is an ambition to make um, two more Yardie films. There is an ambition to do that. Um, I think there's enough story that warrants it. I think I'd love to follow Dee and Yvonne's journey as to what happens next. And actually, that is quite an international story when you consider Miami, you consider New York, you consider Kingston, you consider how Jamaican culture and aspects of it have grown. So there is that ambition. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in the throes of developing a very different story about the not, Hunchback of Notre Dame. And it's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, there's something really intriguing about that story for me, which I want to, um, I shouldn't say redesign, but I, I just want to ha have a different look at it. Essentially, we're talking about someone that's dealing with disabilities and how people manage that. And uh, I, I, I want to tackle that. So that might be next. We look forward to it. Um, thank you, everyone, who sent in the questions. We see all of them. I know we couldn't read them out today, but the support is... Um, I can imagine very overwhelming uh, for Idris and for me it's been an amazing I hope you guys have really enjoyed it it's been a pleasure I'd like to say thank you Idris for having me here thank you I thank just you. want to say you know like thank you uh, um, one extra yes and of course and the massive the, the, the idea of trying to collect you know young people back into the cinema this is like one of the, the pilot episodes if you like using Yardi to get not, you know 200 screens of young people into the cinema again. Uh, I think that's massive, so big up for that. Well done, everyone. Cheers. Well done. Well, thank well you. done. And finally, thank you to you guys taking time out this evening to come here, to uh, everyone who isn't here currently in, with, in the room with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it. Wait, 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 oh. Before you go, I just go. got some thank yous to do. Listen, um, Gina Carter and Robin Gutch are my producers. They're here tonight. I do want to give them a big shout out, please. Uh, I want to also thank Danny Perkins from Studio Canal. 
who is the head of Studio Canal, and what the, I mean, this guy championed this movie from the beginning until this very, very day. And I'm talking about the head of a studio, which is very rare. So he's here now, and I want to give him a shout out. Thank you, Danny. Uh, his entire publicity, you've seen it on buses, you've seen it in tubes. The Studio Canal guys got behind this. Uh, Asa, who's part of the press team, thank you, man, and your entire team. You've done a fucking amazing job. Thank you so much. And last but not least, uh, my agent, Robert Taylor, who's here, and Roger, who isn't here, when I told them, like, you know, five years ago, I want to direct, this is the first script they put on my desk. And, you know, they had to fight to say Idris could do it because they had other, obviously, other talented directors that could have done this. So, Robert, thank you very much for bringing this to me, man. Respect. Thank you to you guys for taking some time out. It's been an amazing evening. Enjoy it. Then once again.